You're listening to Refracted World with Terry Geo, Episode 4, The 90s Boy Band That Never Was. I left my job in TV to join a brand new four-piece boy band that failed before it even began. As mentioned in Episode 2, I started working in television the week after leaving school and quickly becoming the youngest director of a light entertainment guide for ITV at just 17 years old but I had dreams and ambitions beyond working behind the camera. I wanted to be in front of it. Through my work with the BBC, I had many friends from many different departments, including children's acquisitions. Knowing one of my dreams was to be in a pop group, my friend from there told me about a brand new boy band which was forming, but one of the four members had had to drop out and they were looking to replace him. I applied and was auditioned in London that weekend and was given the contract the same day. I took it home and my parents looked through the contract and advised me not to sign it. It was beyond terrible. I try to remember now, but it was something like, out of all the money the pop group would make, the four of us would get a share of 12% of it, or something like that. It worked out about £100 a week, but I didn't care. I was young and I really wanted to be in a pop group. So I signed it. Of course I did. It was a few months before I finished work in television and as my show was contracted to the end of the year, I continued directing the show and I just made it as fun as I always did, including the Christmas special, which was um, several pantomimes in the Yorkshire region. That was a really great episode to end on, actually. But I was working throughout the week in TV and then would travel down on a Friday night to London and stay with my friend Jason, because obviously I didn't have a house down there and then do boy band things. And it was just so much fun, you know, going, working in TV, and then on a weekend, I'm in a boy band. Well, not quite, almost in a boy band. We were doing boy band things. The first thing we did was go clothes shopping, which was kind of random, but the manager took us around lots of really swanky stores in London to pick out our style. And... Yeah, it it was the 90s, so you can imagine what the style looked like. Think of a cross between Take That and E17. And they were really expensive stores. I mean, like thousands upon thousands of pounds per person were being spent on our clothes. And yeah, they looked great. And that was one of the first trips. And it was at night, I remember, uh, because it was all dark in the streets. And then the next weekend, we recorded the single. So our we already had three singles ready to go, the backing tracks, and then the music was put on top, the singing was put on top. And I had a demo of the first track, Faith, which was to be our first single. And I listened to it, and then right at the very end, there was a just music, it just music played it out. And I thought, I could write something for the end here. So I wrote a spoken word part to the end of the song, and then showed it to our manager the following week where we're in the studio. It was, I think it was a little recording studio in Hoban. And again, this is my, I'd, I'd been in recording studios before whilst working in TV for people doing voiceovers, but never in a recording studio. And, you know, you get into the room and they really do have the the glass panel there where you're looking at them and you've got the mic in front of you and it all painted in black. And so I showed it to the manager and he really liked the spoken word bit. So uh, Max, who was the lead singer, always remember his name because my brother's called Max. He was from South Africa. He was the lead singer. And so I did the, they were really high pitched RRs throughout the song that I put in there. 
and then the spoken word bit right at the very end. And I recorded it and it sounded really good. And we all got a cassette tape of the, it wasn't the final one. This was meant to be the rough cut before the final, which would come out um, with the single the following year. So I have the rough cut, which at some point I put through to MP3 and now I still have the single. At the end of this podcast, I will play the entire song so you can hear yourself. And it was just an amazing experience being in the recording studio. And so we're meant to be recording, well, the first single was recording then, and then the following year we'd record the next two. Because the whole plan of action was we would release this single, and then this 27-gig school tour we had booked was quite a common thing to do back then. So as a brand new group, you would go around the schools and get fans through schools, And then you'd probably go to clubs and things like that and raise your profile that way. And so, yeah, so we had this this gig already booked in. And as a group, we were synchronized. You know, we actually all got along. Uh, We all could sing. We all could dance. And everything was great. And then the following weekend, we had a photo shoot. Because on the 1st of January every year, I don't know if they still do this, the Daily Star had a full page where they would show all the new boy bands, all the new pop groups, sorry, that were coming out that year. And we were one of them. So we had this photo shoot with the Daily Star photographer. We were in there for about an hour and a half to two hours. And I remember, I don't remember which part of town it was in, but it was kind of a rundown area. And we get there and we had this, I was wearing a green paisley shirt, so 90s. And we had all these photographs together. I really wish that I had any copies left of those. We were given, well, actually I took a Polaroid that was on the floor that was discarded. And at some point, I mean, this is how many years ago, 25 years ago, um, it's been lost to time because back then no digital and no internet either, which was a shame because I would love to have a photograph from that time. But yeah, we had this this elaborate photo photo session. And then the photographer at the end said, enjoy it while you can, boys, because in two to three years' time, you'll be an obscure band that nobody will know anymore. And I'm thinking, who does this? Who says this? I'm, I'm just, we're all like, okay. But he's saying, oh yeah, pop groups come and go and you'll, you know, just enjoy it while you can. And we hadn't even started at that point. I'm thinking, is this what we're going to have to put up with? But then he was talking about all the different pop groups he's photographed over the years and giving us horror stories of some and and then how nice other ones were. And that was was nice, I suppose. There was some nice that he liked. But he he was just a real downer. Um, and then the other times we were in the in the actual office, they had quite a big office in central London and, you know, we'd practice dancing and dance routines and things like, you know, all the things that a boy band would do. And then at Christmas that year, I was at my parents' house and I think I was living there at the time. Well, I will have been, yeah. And we spent Christmas together and then on Christmas, I don't remember anything of Christmas that year. I was just waiting for the 1st of January. And on the 1st of January, we bought the Daily Star newspaper, opened the page and there were all the boy bands and all the pop groups, all of them except us. We weren't there. And I had no idea why. And I called the management company, nothing. They just didn't answer my call. And I was in contact with the other band members and we were all speaking to each other and we had no idea what was going on, why we weren't there, why they weren't telling us anything. We'd signed the contract. I'd given up my job in TV. Why weren't we in this paper? 
And then a few days later, I get a phone call from the manager's assistant, basically telling me that the company had spent far too much money and they'd gone bust. They'd overspent on the clothing and the recording and the tour and everything. I think it was, I think they told me something like 80,000 pounds and it collapsed because they had no income coming in. And that was it. The company were gone. Our contracts were null and void and boom, we were out of work. Fame was not going to happen. And we were just left in this state of shock, really. How do you move on from that? And as a group, we were, we had singles, we had dance moves, we we could continue, but how? This is pre-internet, we had no contacts other than the management company, and we did consider trying to raise some money somewhere and putting on a tour ourselves, but it just never happened. And you just have to move on in the end. And so our pop group never even started. And it wasn't just my job in TV I was giving up. About February time in 97, I was signed to Nemesis, which was Nigel Martin-Smith's talent agency. He used to be the manager for Take That. I auditioned for them and been given a you know, a spot in their talent agency. I auditioned for a pop group with them. It was called, I can't remember what it was called, but it was meant to be two boys, three girls, and it was a massive audition. And I'd been invited along and it got whittled down to two boys and three girls. And I was one of the two boys chosen. The other boy was someone called Adam Rickett, who actually went on to have a career in music and uh, Coronation Street. Uh, Adam was lovely. Adam was at the time a model for Nemesis and uh, he'd been brought along because he could sing and he could sing really well. And so, yeah, we both got the phone call saying we'd got into the group. But then soon afterwards, the group, Nigel or somebody decided that they didn't want two boys and three girls. They just wanted six girls. So they got three more girls and called them six pack and they went to support Boyzone on their tour later that year, I think. But that was that was the that was over for me, and but then I auditioned for a film. Can't remember what it was called now, and I got through a bit of the process. I got to the to the audition stage on camera, but nothing ever went through from that. Uh, and then, of course, I went for this pop group, the firm, and got the contract and signed the contract. And that's when I got a phone call from nemesis to say I'd been picked for an audition for Hollyoaks, which is like a teen soap set in uh, the Liverpool area of the UK. And so I went for the audition. They liked me. I had a callback. They liked me. I had another callback. And it was that third callback. And I'd just signed the contract the week before for the boy band. And so when I was in there, it was down to the, like, the last few boys uh, for this role. I can't remember what the character was called. Um, and yeah, I, 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 everything was going really well. I was with the uh, director and the writer and blah, blah, blah. And is there, they asked me the question, because it was meant to be just a couple of episodes. Uh, now at the end of it, they said, oh, are you okay if the character continues on? I said, I'm fine if it's just a few episodes, but I have just signed a contract with a pop group, so I can't do any further than that. What a stupid idiot. Why on earth did I say that? Because afterwards... My um, agent called me up, not Nigel, I had a, a secondary agent. He called me up and said, they wanted you. If you hadn't said you'd signed the pop, the contract with a boy band, you'd have got the part. And that was fine because I was in the pop group, so everything's fine. But of course, when the pop group collapsed, 
I not only had left my job in TV, I also lost the part in Hollyoaks. You shouldn't ever regret things in life, but I, and I don't regret, I don't regret anything really. You can't change the past. There's no point, but you can learn from your mistakes. And my mistake was telling them I'd signed a contract with a pop group because obviously at any point, mind you thinking about it, could I, if I hadn't have told them and the pop group had have happened, then I'd have been breaking two contracts, you know, I'd have to have broken one contract because I couldn't sign a contract to be in Hollyoaks and being a boy band. So I suppose I had no choice, but it's just such a pain that I could have been in Hollyoaks. And that character went on for two and a half years. But hey-ho, you can't change the past. And I couldn't go back into TV because, as I said, my old company had merged with a, a new company in Leeds and there just wasn't a place for me. If I'd have moved with them, there would have been, but not now. And so I was left stranded, but I've never regretted it. I've never regretted quitting my job in television and doing the pop group because if I'd never have done it, I'd have always regretted not doing it. I wouldn't have known Max or the other band members. I wouldn't have ever known that they didn't happen because I wasn't a part of it. And so I would always have been left wondering. And sometimes in life, whether you win or fail, you have to at least try. And that very brief few months I was part of a pop group no one can ever take that away from me and I still have the single I still have the memories and I can still tell people I used to be in a boy band even though it never got famous and never released any singles but that is not the point I was part of a boy band for a very short time and so yeah you know sod it things worked out in the end and I did many 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 more amazing things and being in a pop group was just one of them. And at least now I can still listen to the single and cringe. So by mid-January, I'm not in a boy band. I don't have a job in TV anymore. And I passed up being on Hollyoaks. And so there I am, back in my old single bed, with my parents downstairs, thinking, what am I going to do with my life? And after a few months of wallowing my best friend in london jason said why don't you come down to london for a week and you know let's cheer you up and i stayed for six months but that's a completely different story which i'm sure i'll get into at some other point so now i'm going to play you my boy band single uh please be aware it's not amazing <laughs> But it is mine. Uh, I'm not the lead singer. Max was the lead singer. I do the backing vocals. So in the chorus bits, you'll hear the really high R's. That's me. And then, of course, my spoken word at the end. That's all me. So listen and cringe with along with me as we listen to Faith by The Firm.
Don't get angry. Just be strong. The faith in you will carry on. There's just one thing to get you by, to make you smile and make you cry. Faith in others. Faith in you. No matter what. <laughs>